are in our holiday season, and we're excited. If there's anything that the holiday season should be about, it should be about peace. The heavenly hosts declared peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And why was that? Because the prince of peace had entered into human history. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are an agent of peace. We're in a series on taking a look at how just ordinary people can make a difference in bringing peace into people's lives, personally, locally, and globally. The, the sentence that summarizes this series is ordinary people empowered by God make a difference together wherever they go. It is about ordinary people. It is not about being a super saint. It is about ordinary people empowered by God because what God has called you to do in the way of bringing peace into your personal worlds, local and global world, he empowers. Making a difference together with God, the church, and you and I, wherever we go. And there are three places. There's personal, there's local, and there is global. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the care aspect. The fact of the matter is we all get sick, do we not? In fact, I caught a cold, finally realized it Wednesday, but it was Monday. It hit. I'm in a meeting with a bunch of guys, CEOs, and we're doing a Bible study on Isaiah 53, and all of a sudden, my nose starts running and my eyes start watering. There's all kinds of reasons that you and I get sick. The Bible says that we can get sick because of sin. We can get sick because of stress or Satan or ourself or some other situation. There are all kinds of reasons that people get sick. What matters is not so much the reason but the response to it. And when you look at the responses to illness, to sickness throughout the world, there are basically five different responses to illness. And you see them in various philosophies or religions of life. For instance, Hinduism says sickness is just an illusion. It is a matter, it's just a, a matter of, of your mind, okay? That's all it is. Now, Hinduism isn't the only one that holds this belief. There is a lot of New Age cults that do this. A unity school of thought, at least some in Missouri, Christian science. They say, hey, it's all just in your mind. Buddhism says to be indifferent to it. Don't try to feel it. Just be indifferent to it. And that is because Buddhism has this belief that if you are going through something that's not good, it's because of your karma. You must have bad karma. Now, this isn't a very comforting message at all because a lot of people are sick due to no fault of their own. This was kind of a common thought in Jesus' day. And when people would get sick or something bad would happen to them, I mean, we'd call it karma today, but, but they would ask, they asked Jesus, hey, did this guy sin? And Jesus said, no, it has nothing to do with that. The Dalai Lama one time on the Larry King show was asked by Larry King, what would you say to a person who experienced disaster in a, a natural disaster, that was a victim of a natural disaster? 
And he looked at Larry King in the eyes and says, I would say nothing to him. Why is that? Because he believed that what happens to people is the result of things that they have done, bad karma. So you just be indifferent to it. Islam says this, just resign yourself to it because it is the will of Allah. This is called fatalism. Fatalism is, is when is, is God has decided, so guess what? There's nothing you can do about it. It is the will of Allah. Then there is stoicism. This is a philosophy of life that says, you know what? That says, when you get sick, just suck it up, buttercup. Grit your teeth. Hey, grit your teeth. This is going to prove whether you are a man or a woman. It is the Clint Eastwood approach to life or to illness, right? But finally is the Christian response. And that is this. Show compassion. Be like Jesus. Take a look at Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. In other words, he cared and he cured. I am so glad that Jesus didn't say, hey, you're sick. It's just a figment of your imagination. I am so glad that he didn't say, you know what? It's your fault. You must have sinned, okay? You got bad karma. I'm so glad that he didn't say, oh, it's just God's will. Just face it, okay? I'm so glad he didn't say, hey, why don't you just suck it up, buttercup? No. What did he do? He showed compassion. He cared and he cured. And if you and I are going to be like Jesus, we must learn to care and show concern. This world is hurting. And there are a lot of people that are sick within it. The reality is this is one of the global giants that's in the world. And in some places it varies on, on, on how much is there. But folks, it is in the world. And a lot of people are suffering needlessly because of illness. This year alone, 300 million people are going to suffer from malaria, which is totally unnecessary because we know what the cure is. In fact, 3,000 kids will die because of a mosquito bite, okay, every day. Every day, 30,000 kids will die from diarrhea because of poor education, because they haven't boiled their water. One million people will die of HIV or AIDS this year which is totally preventable because it is a behavioral disease. But yet most people don't know the behavior that causes it. There are so many diseases that are overwhelming our world that God has called you and I as peace agents with the Prince of Peace ruling in our hearts to show care and to show concern. Let me ask you this question. How many of us here have ever spent a night because you were sick or ill, had an operation in the hospital? May I see your hands? Keep them up. Take a look. This is a luxury. You may have put them down. This is a luxury that most people do not have in this world. And today, what I want you to do, and I know this isn't very appealing, but it's like, Marty, very appealing in, in this holiday season. 
But I don't think there's anything that accentuates the illnesses that people are going through than the holidays. Would you agree with that? When everything is supposed to be bright and cheery and everything is good and we're going to have elf contests and all that kind of stuff and you get sick or you're ill or you have to have some operation, it just seems to make it worse. And God has called us, the church, to minister, to care for people who are ill. So what I want you to do in this message is I want you today to imagine that you're in the hospital and you are sick. You are deathly sick. The doctors can't figure it out. You are at death's door. Because if you will imagine that, then you will know intuitively what to do for those who are actually in that situation. I'm going to give you seven ingredients that will help you in your personal ministry or a local piece or a global piece to help people who are ill. The first one is this, thoughtfulness. And thoughtfulness says this, pay attention. Before you can care, you must be aware. You have to put your antennas up. You've got to listen, and you have got to look, and you have got to think. Because there are people around you who are giving off signals all the time about how they feel. And if you care, you will be aware. God modeled this. Take a look at Psalms 106, verse 44. Yet the Lord heard them when they cried out, and he took notice of their distress. God looked, and he listened. And you and I need to do the same. Have you ever been in a conversation before where you're telling someone, hey, I've been under the weather, and I flew, just had a you know, touch of the flu, whatever, and as soon as you were over, they couldn't wait to tell you what was going wrong with, with them. <laughs> That's nothing. You should have had what I had, okay? No, 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 no. You look and you listen. The fact is there are people all around you who are in chronic pain that you and I don't even know about. The Bible records this. Take a look at Psalms 142, verse 4. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. How many people at your work would fit into that category? How many people at your work honestly think, you know what, no one knows, no one cares. They don't even give me a thought. How many people in our church are like that right now? I made a commitment 30 years ago that I would walk with people through the ups and downs of life. As long as you would have me and not me, run me out of town on a rail. That I would be here for the good times and the bad times. I'd be here for you in, in, in the in-between times. Why? Because if you care, and we'll get to this in the second point, you're there. It isn't just when things are good, but when things are being bad. Now, why do we want to be thoughtful? Because if you care, you're aware. Well, you've heard me say this before. Life is preparation for eternity. 
And God is wanting us to use this side of eternity to get us ready for the next side of eternity. And the thing that he wants us to do on this side of eternity is learn to love because that's what we're gonna be doing for all of eternity. And if you miss loving and caring for people who are sick, you're missing out on one of the very reasons that God puts you on this planet. In fact, God says one day he is going to judge you and I on how well we treat the sick. One day we will stand before the throne and he's gonna do a care inventory on our life. Jesus spoke this to believers. Take a look at Matthew 25, verse 36. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And our response, if you know the portion of scripture, was what? When did we do this for you? And Jesus says, you did this for me when you did this for the least of these. Now, underline the word care or care for. Notice that it doesn't say cured. You and I cannot cure everyone's problems, but we can care for them. And God is going to do a care inventory on our life one day. The starting point of building a ministry, being an agent of peace in the time of peace, season of peace, is it starts with thoughtfulness, paying attention. The second one is this, is presence. And presence says, show up. Psalms 38 verse 11 says this, because of my sickness, no friends or neighbors will come near me. King David said that about himself when he was sick. When it comes to sickness, most people's responses are to run. Most people feel uncomfortable with those who are in pain, who are in discomfort, who are sick, who are dying. Why is that the case? Why is it that we, when people are suffering physically, Emotionally, mentally, across the board. Why is it that we have this tendency to run and hide? Well, I think it's for a number of reasons. One is this, and this doesn't make sense at all, but we are afraid subconsciously that we might get sick. I've had people who have had cancer, and they have told me, George, when I told my friends that, we, that I had cancer, you could just feel them going, it doesn't make any sense. But the way I figured it is they must just think that they can kids. doesn't make, it's illogical, but they think that way. I remember when I first started this church, we were a couple of years into this. We were at Schimmelfinnick Middle School, and there was a family whose son had AIDS. Do you remember when AIDS was just, bam, was exploding in our country? And they came to me and says, Pastor George, will you go and visit our son in the hospital? No one will come to see him. And I said, yes, I will. And there were people telling me at that time, George, don't do it. No, I'll go. And I held his hand, and I was there for about 45 minutes to an hour. And I just said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I had an opportunity to share my faith and led him to Christ. I think one of the reasons is that we somehow think that we're going to catch it. 
I think another one is, honestly, is that we're busy. Let's all admit, we are busy, are we not? I wanna do a whole series on building margin in our life. But we are busy. And sickness is an inconvenience, isn't it? I mean, when I got my cold, I'm thinking, God, this is not the week to get a head cold. I mean, I need my voice, God. I gotta win this thing, okay? I think one of the reasons is that we're just too busy. But I think the most common reason is that we just don't know what to say or what to do. I cannot tell you how many people who have come to me and have said, Pastor George, one of my family members, one of my friends is sick. I mean, they are deathly sick, and I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to do. I'm afraid, Pastor George, I'll say the wrong thing or I'll do the wrong thing. This is common. Our anxiety prevents us from showing up. And this is what King David was experiencing. He wanted someone to be with him. Because see, when you are with someone, do you know what you're communicating? If you're just with them, do you know what you're communicating? You matter to me. You're important. I care for you. This is what David was wanting. No one showed up. The apostle Paul also wanted this. Fortunately for him, some people did. Take a look, uh, Philippians 4, 13 and 14. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, it was kind of you to share my troubles. Here is the apostle Paul, as tough as nails, and guess what? He needed people. And fortunately for him, people showed up. But more importantly than, than, than people showing up, as good as that is and needed, God shows up. If you have any kind of spiritual discernment, when you are walking through a dark time, physically, emotionally, mentally, I don't care what it is, if you look, there are fingerprints of God all over it. There are God moments that are there that God is saying, I am with you, not only with you, I'm hurting with you. Take a look at Isaiah 63, verse nine. In all their troubles, he, that is God, was troubled too. He didn't send someone else to help them. He did it himself in person. What does it mean he did it himself? It means he gave his presence. And if you have spiritual eyes, you can see those God moments. You can see those God things. But God has called us to show up as well. Now, how do you and I do that? One of two ways. One, you show up by doing something. Maybe you show up and you tell them, hey, have you thought about doing this or taking that? Or, hey, what needs to be fixed around here? I'd love to just, hey, I'll do anything that you want me to do. Folks, that is good. But there is something even better than that. Something that is a much deeper need. And that is by giving something. And what is that? Yourself. It's good to do something. It's better to give yourself. Presence is powerful. Now I asked you to imagine yourself in a hospital bed and you're on death's door. I'm gonna show you how to do this. And I show up. 
You're a little drugged. You open your eyes. Oh, my goodness, I'm worse than I thought. The pastor, senior pastor's here. Oh, boy. And you come in, and you say, Steve, you don't need to say anything. You just sit there, and you hold their hand. I have sat in hospitals more times than I can count for hours just there, not saying a word. Presence is powerful. You matter to me. You're important. And then you may say a few words. I love you. And you may close in a word of prayer. I have been in the heart of Nigeria, in the middle of a jungle, taken to a tribal chief who needed to be educated because he didn't think he needed to take his high blood pressure medicine. And he's lying on the floor of a big hut. He's the king, dying. I will never forget it. And I came in, and for a half hour, I just sat there with him. And I held his hand. And I said, I'm so sorry. And I prayed for him. I was told afterwards that that boosted his morale. You can do this, church. You can be God's peace agent, personally, whether it be in a hospital bed or whether it be on the floor in Cameroon or whether it be on some kind of cot. You and I can do this. Presence is powerful because people want to know that they matter that they're important, and that God is there even through your presence. And so thoughtfulness, paying, uh, showing up, presence. The third one is acceptance. And acceptance says remove the embarrassment. I don't know why it is, but we are embarrassed when we get sick. We don't want anybody to know we don't want anybody to see that we're sick. We don't want anybody to even to find out that we're sick. We just get embarrassed with our bodies when they get sick. But God says, here's what you do. Tell them it's okay. It is a part, about, it is a part of being human. And you say, it's okay. I have walked into hospital rooms and people have been embarrassed. Pastor George, I'm so sorry. For what? It's okay. And yet, for some reason, we don't think it is. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 15, 43. God speaks about this. The bodies we have now embarrass us, for they become sick and die, but they will be full of glory when we come back to life again. Yes, they are weak, dying bodies now, but when we live again, they will be full of strength. Now, you have probably figured it out by now, have you not, that your body is wearing out, that you are not as sexy as you used to be, okay? Now, I got to speak truth. I'm a pastor. Guess what? You were never sexy in the first place, okay? 
<laughs> but I will say this, that we are a lot sexier than those Presbyterians down the street. So <laughs> let that be as it may, okay? But you and I know we're getting old when our back goes out and we stay at home. That's funny. Come on. You know you're getting old when you don't sleep with your teeth. You know you're getting old when happy hour is taking a nap. You know you're getting old when you think standing up is lifting weights. I want you to write this down because this is the truth. It is not a sin to be sick. Folks, there's no shame in it. It's part of being human. In fact, a lot of sickness is a result of our DNA. We have this predisposition to get sick when the genes kick in or the environment is just right. And it has nothing to do with you. It's not your fault. It's just your DNA. Your body is made up of nine different systems. And when they are in balance, it's called health. When they are out of balance, it's called disease, illness, sickness. And when our bodies are out of health, you can be out of balance physically, emotionally, mentally. And there is no shame in any of those three. You know in this series, in our year of hope, I did a whole series on mental health just to take the stigma out of it because there's nothing wrong. We're all broken physically, emotionally, and mentally. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt because you didn't feel up that you didn't want to get out of bed. I got this head cold type thing. I didn't want to get out of bed. Have you ever thought, you know, I can't remember everything, and you think you're going crazy? Yeah. As a parent, have you ever thought of doing something bad to one of your kids? And you were afraid to say anything to anybody because you'd be looked at as a bad parent. You know what that's called? It's called parenthood. <laughs> you see, my guess is that when you felt bad, sick physically or emotionally or mentally, you didn't tell anybody about it. Why? It's not a good thing. Take a look at what David said that it does in Psalms 32, verse 3. When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside of me. I moaned all day long. Why is it that we hide our illness, our lack of health, mentally, emotionally, physically? One word, vulnerability. We don't want to be vulnerable. And we really don't like it when other people are vulnerable. It makes us feel uncomfortable. And yet God says, it's okay. I want you to open up. And yet until you and I do, until we're just, hey, you know, I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling a little down today. Or I'm feeling mentally, I'm just, I don't know, it's just not there. We're not going to see the kind of improvements that we want. I think the third thing that you can do when people are ill, physically, emotionally, relationally, whatever, is just to simply tell them, it's okay, it's no big deal. 
so that you remove the embarrassment from them. Now how, now what are the results when you and I do something like that? Well, Galatians, Paul was sick. And this is what he told the Galatians for sticking with him when he was not feeling good. Galatians chapter four, verse 14. Even though my illness was a trial to you, it cost you, okay? You did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Thoughts, presence, acceptance. The fourth thing in the mix of creating a personal ministry is affirmation. And affirmation says, give them hope. Take a look at Proverbs 18, verse 14. Your will to live can sustain you when you are sick, but if you lose it, your last hope is gone. Folks, you and I can't live without hope, and yet we can endure almost anything, can we not, if we have hope. Now, what I want you to know is that you do not have to be a doctor to give someone hope. My wife, who is a nurse, I will grant her that, a very good nurse, but she's not a doctor. And she gives people hope all the time. She writes them letters. She emails them. She prays for them. I know people in our church who are cancer survivors. When they find out about someone who has cancer, they just tell them, it's okay. I've gone, I've gone through what you are going through right now. You're going to make it. You don't have to be a doctor to do that. In fact, there have been times in my life, folks, when I have been down, dooby-doo, down, down. I have been emotionally strung out. I have been hurt. And I've said, you know what? I'm just doing okay. As you know, I'm always doing good or great. I'm not doing good. And I've had people share with me. I'll never forget this. 2 Timothy 1.7, George, God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and sound mind. And I thought, thank you, God, that I'm not going crazy right now. You don't have to be a doctor to give hope. Some of you right now might be even thinking of throwing in the towel because the holidays are not the holidays for you. They are times where you feel depressed and discouraged and have doubt and despair in your life. Don't do it. I'm doing a funeral a week from this Monday on a suicide. Don't do it. Your life is far too, more, too much valuable. You matter to God and you matter to me. So don't do it. Now, one of the ways that you affirm people, and I mentioned this last week, Jesus did this through a look, a word, and a touch. You can do it through a word. You can speak hope into people's lives. We've done a whole year on hope. This series is on missional hope and bringing hope to people now in this message who are sick. You can do it through your words. Take a look at Proverbs 15, 14. Kind words are good medicine, but deceitful words can really hurt. A chosen word 
is like an apple in a setting of gold. It tastes so good and it heals. Thoughtfulness, presence, acceptance, affirmation. The fifth one is healing. And healing says, use the best meds that are available. I've been a pastor two years, and there was a lady in the church in Columbia, Missouri, that got breast cancer and said, I believe that God is going to do a miracle through his spirit and heal me, and I'm not going to take any meds. She died. Let me tell you what presumption is. Presumption is when we ignore what God has already provided for us. And God has provided medicine for our benefit. And so when you use medicines, don't be embarrassed by them. Don't worry about taking them. It's God's gift to you. Use them as God's gift. This is a theme throughout the Bible. You are familiar with this story, the Good Samaritan, are you not? The Good Samaritan finds this guy who's been beaten up. He is bad off. He's hanging on to life. And notice what the Good Samaritan did in Luke 10, 34. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil, circle that word, and wine, circle that word. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. What is the oil and the wine? The oil was a soothing agent. And the wine is alcohol. It's a disinfectant. What is this good Samaritan doing? He's doing the best he can with what is available to him. And back then, oil and wine was modern medicine. Now, I want to share with you one verse that it's the only verse that's in the Bible about this. Take a look at Proverbs 31, verse 6. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing. This is the only time that this verse is mentioned in the Bible. So what is he talking about here? He is talking about hard liquor. He's talking about Jack Daniels, right? (laughs) Thought you'd never hear that word in church, right? What is he saying here? He's saying if you find a guy who's dying, and there's no other pain medications, and you just happen to have a a bottle of Jack Daniels on you, give it to him, okay? Now, this verse isn't in there by accident. What God is communicating is this, that pain relief is legitimate care. It is okay to take aspirins, It is okay to take medications. It is legitimate care to relieve pain. If I am on a peace trip and I am injured and you got a bottle of Jack Daniels, I will drink the whole thing. (laughs) Now, why am I talking about this? Because, folks, there's not enough doctors or clinics in the world about bringing peace to the world, to Cameroon, to Nigeria, to Philippines, to Haiti, to here. There's not enough doctors. 
There's not enough clinics. And God has called us as ordinary people to do what we can do to make a difference where we are. What if you go on a missions trip and you just had an extra bag of malaria medicine and, and aspirins and, and, I don't know, antibiotics? I, like we had a blessing in a box? What if we had a little clinic in a box? Every time you went on a missions trip, you just had some of those things, extra. Do you think that would make a difference in someone's life? I think so. Folks, we can do this. The sixth one is prevention. And prevention says teach healthy habits. We just don't want to care for people who are sick. We want to help prevent diseases wherever possible. And one of the ways to do this is just by teaching healthy habits. There are people around the world who need to learn basic health habits that you and I just take for granted. When you're sick, what do you do? Wash your hands. When, when you're sick um, and you've got questionable water, I mean, that happens sometimes in our city, or what do they say? Boil the water. Folks, those simple things, teaching people, they have no idea. They've never even heard the word germs. And just teaching them to wash their hands, to boil the water, to kill the parasites or the, the bacteria that's in there that kills 3,000 kids a year. And just giving them a net to fight off the mosquitoes will literally save millions of lives in a year. Washing your hands. Uh, boiling water and providing mosquito nets. Now I say this though, the best way to keep healthy is to be in God's word because these principles are there to be found. Take a look at Proverbs 4, 21 and 22. Don't ever forget my words. Keep them always in mind. They are the key to life. They bring health to the whole body. God says, if you will just follow my laws, if you will just follow my principles that are in my word, you will have a happier life and you will have a healthier life. The seventh one is prayer. And prayer says, ask God to help. You see, all healing comes from God whether it's through medicine or whether it's through a miracle of God's spirit working. But all healing comes from God. Doctors do not heal. They prepare the pathway for healing. There is no difference between science and faith. In fact, I've seen God use both to bring healing. Sometimes it's faith by praying and God just miraculously does something. Other times, God uses medicine. There is no difference between science and faith. All I care about is that God heals them. But part of it is asking God to do that. Take a look at James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayers or prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. Will you circle the phrase each other? And notice that it doesn't say professional pastors. Why does it say that? Because every member is a minister. Your prayers are no more, if I can put it in these words, magical than mine. 
It's God who heals. And you can come to a person in a hospital, in their home, and you can spend time with them. You can hold their hand. You can speak a few words. And before you leave, you can pray for them. Now, God does not discount pastors. Take a look at James 5.14. If you are sick, call for the church leaders, pastors, and have them pray for you and anoint you with olive oil in the name of the Lord. Will you circle oil? At LifePoint, we practice this. And the oil is nothing magical. He's mentioning it because it's symbolic. When you and I take the Lord's Supper, communion, like we did a couple of weeks ago, the bread is symbolic of the body of Christ. The the wine or the juice is symbolic of his blood. The oil here is symbolic of what? Of God's presence. And so when pastors anoint a person who's sick with oil, they're asking that the very presence of God will come and bring healing and health and wholeness into this person's life. God has called us to be agents of peace. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. We have the Prince of Peace residing within us. And God says, you can do this. You can start a personal ministry of bringing health and wholeness into people's lives. The question is this, will you do this? Will you do this for your friends and your family and your co-workers? Because you care for their bodies like God cares for yours. And will you do this for their soul? Take a look at this last verse out of 1 John, or 3 John 1-2. Dear friend, I'm praying that all is well with you and that your body is as healthy as I know your soul is. Will you circle body and soul? God wants us to care for both, for the body and for their soul. And as God gives you opportunity to care for their physical well-being, their emotional, their mental well-being, never forget to care for their soul, which is eternal. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that Jesus is the embodiment of God's attitude towards us, of care and of compassion. God, you know how fragile we are, that our bodies are but just dust, that a slightly blowing wind would just blow us all away, that we would be here now, but we would be gone tomorrow. And you treat us with gentleness and kindness. And as we suffer on this side of eternity, physically, emotionally, spiritually, God, you care. And you show up maybe through your presence, by reminding us of a verse or through a person who walks through the door to hold our hand. 
or whether it's something else. You care. And I thank you, God, for that. And I thank you for the cures that you've brought into our life. God, we want to be your agents. And especially, God, during this holiday season when people, not everyone, is, is, is filled full of cheer. So God, help us. Help us to be your peace agents. Help us to go forth from this place in this season and to pay attention, God. To show up, God. To accept, to, to affirm, to do, but to be there. God, we want to be difference makers. And so, God, we look to you to do this. Through your spirit, remind us of these seven ingredients that we can be your, your care agents. And I don't know where you're at this morning in your walk with the Lord, in your, whether you even know him. But I couldn't think of a better time to say yes to Jesus Christ who came and walked in your shoes and suffered what you suffered and died on the cross so that your soul could be redeemed. He loves you. Will you say yes and establish a relationship with him? Will you just say, Jesus, I admit that I have been self-sufficient. I've hurt others, I've hurt myself, and I know I've hurt you, but right now, I believe that you love me because you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. God, I'm saying yes to you. And if you prayed that prayer, simple as it was, God hurt you. Will you just let me know on your communication card? Just write your name, email address, <clears throat> check the appropriate box in the back, and I'll get you some literature. Well, Lord, we give you this. We thank you for our time. We thank you for this season that we're in. Be with us. Lead us and guide us. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.